So uh, we had a week off. I forget why we had a week off, but uh, for we, something something happened. Yeah, it was the Warriors uh, Clippers game. We had to watch the Warriors uh, give, <laughs> An- annihilate. Give the Clippers the beatdown. Uh, Sands, Draymond Green, and uh, and a few other dudes. So I, I'm going to cut you off right there, okay? Because because you don't like dudes. No, 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 no. No, Sands is good. I, I don't like Wilst. Wilt, I have a problem with Wilst. Okay. Yeah, anybody that says Wilst is just a... a is pretentious? Just, just a mark. A mark. No, but this, this garage band, this new garage band sucks so hard that I got to make sure that we're recording. So that's, that's the only reason why I'm cutting you off. So nothing bad is I just got to make sure we're recording. Fair enough. Okay, so we were recording, you know. It took like three hours and, you know, a lot of yelling. And I think we, uh, we, we looked at our friendship and realized that it can't go on anymore, you know. Just because uh, I had to reevaluate some things. Because I had to evaluate the techniques. The techniques. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So a lot of ha- a lot has happened. Um, in the other, uh, in, in our former reiteration of a podcast, we would have like talked about the Royal Rumble right away, but I think we can get into other things. Okay. So uh, let's go ahead and I mean, uh, we kind of talked about a couple things here and there, and then you try to allude it to something else. But let's go see if you let's see if you're on the upkeep over here, and, and go ahead and get into the topic you want to get into. Well, um, you know, we, we had several topics uh, for our show uh, two weeks ago that, you know, we, we got to, I think we got to a good three or so, and uh, went in depth there pretty good, um, but there were a couple things that hit the cutting room floor, but because uh, what we're trying to do here now, you know, it wasn't stuff that's based in the moment and trying to, you know, kind of take a long view on certain issues. Uh, one of the things that I know you wanted to talk about and I think we brought her up briefly last time, but we never really got into well, it. But no, that's not what I want to talk about oh. right now. Oh. I mean, I mean, some, something major happened last weekend, dude. You know? You forgot already? My, my oh, are, you, are you saying that you're sick so you can't remember and stuff? Well, just... just, just I just, thought you said you didn't want to talk about the Rumble. No, no, no. no we're not talking about the Rumble. Uh, no, it, it, the Rumble didn't happen last weekend. Last weekend. Yeah, the Rumble happened two weeks ago, if you really look at it. Right. So what happened last weekend? Guys, it's, it's like it's like trying to draw an idiot to water or something, dude. You know? Uh. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I don't know last <laughs> the Super Bowl, man. Oh, oh you want? Uh, oh, oh yeah. Okay. We we had this deep old discussion, and you're like, oh yeah, we do. You're like you're like jumping up and down, going like, we can talk about this on the podcast, and you, you totally dropped the ball, dude. Oh, oh, well, I, I don't just know just like down. just like Edelman didn't I, drop the I, ball. I suggested it, and and I believe the response was, hmm, hmm. things that make you go, hmm. hmm. Uh, so you want to talk it, about it? It was more like a, hmm. It, it was more like my Chuck D. Hmm. Can't really do the, the Chuck D look on podcast. I, did, I didn't do the Chuck no, D. No, I know. But, that, but that's, what, what that's I can do is, that's what what I can do is I can use my words to paint a picture. Sure. So, wow. it, you know, it's, it's the police officer going, you know what happened last time at the beach, don't you? And Chuck just looks there and he just goes, hmm. I think it was a little more menacing. Mm. It, it was a little bit more menacing. Sure. Yeah. 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 He, he's a bad hombre. He is. <laughs> yeah. um, but you don't want to talk about... You want to talk about the game at all? Since that, we can that talk about team? the game. I mean, we can talk about the game. We can talk about the Super Bowl. I mean, I, I've been I've been like living in my glory days for the past week. So uh, I mean, I know your your general way of approaching it is to tell yourself the Patriots are going to lose. No, 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 no. So uh, no, I, I don't I don't tell myself the Patriots are going to lose. But I mean, you, you gotta you gotta admit. Well, no, I mean, you thought you thought that the Patriots were going to win. Yes. But I, I just thought the Atlanta the Atlanta offense was way too powerful, which they, they proved in the first the first half. But I will say this, like when the second half happened, I, I, I did I was known to say like this is the greatest comeback ever before the before the second half even happened. But I I didn't really 
It wasn't like I was sitting going like, oh yeah, they're going to come back. But what I will say is that I didn't stop watching. Not because of like, oh, because Tom Brady's playing, but I was watching the game and I'm just going like, a lot of time left. There's a lot. Well, not only that, but it's like they they really didn't. I mean, Atlanta wasn't doing stuff crazy, right? I mean, they they had. I think the first really good touchdown they had was in the second half when uh, when he when um, Ryan dumped it off to that receiver and it's on Nikomich and it was just like totally outclassed. So that was like the only the only really touchdown that I saw. I was like, okay, you know, they got they got out coached there, but. They tried doing stuff, you know, the Patriots tried to do the onside kick. It'd be, I mean, everything was going wrong. And so I, I just kind of just, I just kind of went, it was like, you know, I'm, I'm such a fan of the Patriots. And this goes back to like 1986. And this season I watched every single game. And it was just a, it was just a good team. It wasn't a great team. Like they've had way better teams. But it was, it was a good team. And I didn't want to, it wasn't like I was giving up on them. But I was like, okay, like if I'm going to watch this, this team the whole time, like I'll watch them lose. Which... To tell you the truth, like, I can't do. So, like, when the Warriors lost against the Cavs, mm-hmm. I couldn't watch the last three games because I knew they were going to lose. I just had a feeling that they were going to lose. I couldn't watch those three games because it was just, like, a different investment. With this one, though, like, I've liked the Patriots so long. I've been ragged on for being a Patriots fan when they sucked, when they were, like, 1-14. And then when they started winning, I, I, I started, you know, everybody started calling me a bandwagon fan. So this is, like, the one team that I, like, truly, like, root for. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to watch them, whether they won or lost. And then It goes back to your dad's old axiom of, no, it wasn't that. Because yeah, that, he was, that, he was, he was trying to teach thing. you a lesson, though, right? Yeah, that's that's yeah. That's, and that, that, that's that was stupid. With, well, why don't you go on, why don't you go ahead and talk about it? Because that that was stupid. That that was like utter stupidity. What my dad did. No, that's fine. It was a good. No, lesson. it was it wasn't fine. You, you thought it was a good lesson. Yeah, it's a good lesson. Okay. Yeah. No, it was, uh, we were kids, and I was over uh, at at his house, his dad's house, and it was um, it was the nineteen ninety one World Series, and it was uh, the A's were. Getting ready to get swept by the Reds, and uh, it was Game Four, and it was well over, and I was, I was ready to, to stop watching because I knew it was over, and then uh, his his dad, uh, your your dad there, uh, refused to to uh, switch the channel and, and made me watch the end. He's like, you you watch them win, and, and you cheer for them when they win, so you know you should you should see it through to the end. I was like, fair enough, that that makes sense. Well, I, w- I was. Yeah, I, I, I disagree with it at that time because, I mean, I knew how you were, but if it, it taught you a lesson, it taught you a lesson. But so, I, so I'm Watching sitting, Jose Rio uh, yeah, come, come back, come back and, and, and kill my A's. That was, that was one of the most dominant performances I've ever seen in the World Series. But anyways, so I'm watching this game, and they score the touchdown. I'm like, all right, you know, whatever. And then they score another touchdown, and, uh, oh, no, they, they kick a field goal. And I'm going like, why are you kicking a field goal? And even then, right, it's like, so they, they – they're they're in they're in like they're twenty yards away from a touchdown, it's not it's twenty eight to nine, and any other team I think it would be like seventy thirty that they would go for the touchdown. And I'm sitting going like why the hell are they going for a field goal? And then I look at like the score I'm like oh well okay they're doing it because they can score you know eight more you know eight eight points here eight points there and they're back in the game, and and I think like only like Belichick and his staff would would take the points there. I think everybody else would would have gone for a touchdown. So they kick the field goal, and I go, I go. You know what? They gotta get. They have to get a turnover next possession. If they get a turnover next possession, there's something there. And here we go. They, you know, high tower, you know, uh, hits Ryan. They get, they get the, they get the turnover, and then they score. Right. So it's like 28-20, and I'm like, all right, whatever. So I'm laying on the couch, like I haven't moved this whole time, like ever, ever since like they, they, they like got down to a 28-3 hole or whatever it was. I'm not moving, right? I'm like, I'm just laying on down. I'm just, I'm just chilling out. And my my uh, my brother like texted me, 
kind of like he, he texted me like this tombstone gift, like just kind of saying like it was it wasn't a positive tombstone gift. And then my stepdad texted me as well about saying like you know calm down or whatever you know whatever it is. So then they then they score as you know you know they scored they scored twice. It's twenty eight twenty eight, and I sit up. I'm like I can't I'm like like I can't believe this. And all of a sudden like my brother texted me again. My stepdad texted me again. I was like I was like I don't want to see no text. I don't want to see nothing, right? Because like they're they're it's tied. And I was like, well, wait a minute. I'm like, I'm sitting up. I'm like, I gotta lay back down and I gotta answer these texts because I answered all these texts again. And when they, you know, they scored 28-28, I knew they're. I mean, once that Edelman catch happened, I knew they were gonna win because it's like I've been on on plenty of other sides when the Giants have made like these crazy catches that have made them lose. I was like, the second I saw the Edelman uh, catch, I was like, all right, if if they tie up the game, they will win because, you know, this catch doesn't happen every day. They go into overtime. They, they, they win the game in overtime. The second that uh, White crosses that line, like, I'm, I'm like, that's a touchdown. That's a touchdown. I jump over the ottoman. I, like, run down the hall. So it, it, was, very, it was very satisfying. It was, it was, it was as, a, as a Patriots fan, but as a football fan, just for them to go through all this history and, and overcome these great odds in this, in this Super Bowl, it was great, man. It was like it's like I've seen better Patriot teams that have won, but this one is better because it's it's like the first time that I and check out this transition. But it's the, like all the other teams you can say that the Patriots have won have been because they've had a great team, great defense. Like really, uh, like really, the defense is the key, right? And like good offensive players, like you know, ab- above average offensive players, but it's mostly it's that defense. And Brady's kind of been along the ride for a lot of them. This is like the first one where you've seen like Brady as a star, and Brady is like the like best quarterback right here and right now and he wins that Super Bowl you know pretty much by himself with a, with a lot of things and that's what's fun to watch and I know you're going to disagree with me saying that he didn't win it by himself <coughs> that's not what I'm trying to say but he's the focal point where before honestly, he, thought, he, he had a lot of tools I thought James White was the MVP of that game honestly I understand why you give it to Brady but in that game that like Brady was pretty pretty flaky that first half but yeah. White's the guy that like throughout the game he was he was getting it done, so James White. You, you, good job. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can make an uh, you can make an argument for James White, but at the same time, it's like I mean, four hundred and sixty-six yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and and the whole thing is like, who else? I mean, what other quarterback? I mean, what other quarterback can you see lead a comeback after twenty-eight to three? There's not a lot that can do it. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I mean Manning. Manning might have done it, but he doesn't have the. He doesn't have the he doesn't have the mental aptitude in yeah. terms of strength to do it. Right, like I, I could see, uh, yeah, I could see uh, Rogers doing something like that. I can see Rogers doing. Um, I couldn't see Joe Montana doing anything like that because Montana would never get down twenty eight to three, but that's you know that's that's another story. Um, yeah, no, I mean, hey, no, hey, he, no, lost, he lost like forty nine to three or whatever against the Giants that one. Oh, uh, that was Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, plus, uh, yeah, that was back when, uh, you know. Jim Burt. Yeah, it was it was completely <laughs> legal to kill the other team's quarterback, right? So, um, no. Nah, my my question to you was more: was there any was there, was there a point where you thought it was over? You know, you're right to a fault where I I I didn't think they were going to win from from the get go. So I remember like watching the game when they were down like twenty one to three, and going, well, at least they're not going to break my heart, like. I really thought that I really thought that Atlanta was a better team. I mean, like position by position, you know, on offense except for quarterback. Their their running back, their running backs were good. The, the the offensive plays were. I mean, they were calling so many good offensive plays in that first half, 
I mean, the whole thing is, is like, is you know, the one thing they say about the Patriots is like, oh, well, they turned the ball over. Yeah, well, Blunt turned the ball over, but it was at like the 25, 30-yard line, you know, on, on, on their side. They're like going to score a touchdown. So, like, they still had to march like 70 yards to get a touchdown. So, I just, it was, it was one of those things, like, it felt like the Atlanta Falcons were a West Coast, high West Coast scoring team. And I just, knowing, watching the Patriots the whole time, the Patriots are very well coached, and usually in the NFL is like when you have top level NFL talent against a very well coached team, you have a slight chance of winning. But I just, you know, it, it's it's just funny to me how how the Patriots continue to beat these top level teams. You know, we're talking about the the Rams, right? I mean, the Rams. There, there's no way they should have beat the Rams. Um, I knew they were going to beat the Rams. And uh, God, I don't know, dude. Yeah, I, I knew they were gonna be good. Okay, well, well, I'm I'm glad I'm glad that you you felt that way. You can you can uh, next time you see Cave, you can ask me. No, no that's fine. No, I believe you. Yeah, no, I um I never felt they were out of it. It was more of a case of like, can they win this? And and the, and the, the the great thing about this Super Bowl is that the fan in me started coming out, like the ones that that believed like in the in like the great. It, it felt like I was watching the 49ers all over again. You want Robert the Bruce over there? I want to believe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was there was about three minutes where I thought they were gonna lose, and that was when when uh, the, when the Falcons went up twenty eight to three. That last touchdown, I was like, ooh, now they're in trouble. Because I still knew there was time, but you know it's a difference between having plenty of time and down twenty one three, and then when they were twenty eight. But that was about three minutes, because right after that was the strip sack. Because that was in my mind, they're they're in trouble. They need they need a turnover and a quick score and they're back in it and that's exactly what happened and uh, yeah it was it was not good uh, play calling there um, decision making by the Falcons but that's the thing but I mean not like um, this is anything groundbreaking but the Patriots are by far and away they're the best coach team and because uh, that's the thing with like football specifically like the coaching can have so much influence in what goes on and. The experience that they had, like I knew there was no point they're gonna panic, and as long as they kept playing like properly, like Belichick's gonna outthink the other guy, and or let them make the mistake that's gonna put them back into position. You know, not not the greatest thing uh, for my new head coach uh, um, <laughs> in the way that thing ended, but um, yeah, as soon as they they got that strip sack and then they scored quickly and I saw the time, I was like, yeah, they they, they got all the momentum now. And, and I, I think there is something to, like, um, a legacy of, of uh, a sports team. It's like the, the Falcons is a history of choking, man. And, and the Patriots, like this iteration of the Patriots, is, is a history of, of just beating everybody. Yeah, so. well, well here, here's the thing about the Falcons, right, is that everything they, were, everything they did in the first half was working. So they did the exact same thing that would work in the second half. Like, it should have worked. And it, you know, it's it's like key mistakes here and there, right? Like the, the the strip sack, right? That's that's a mistake, right? Like the the guy missed the block, which should never happen. And a well coached team, that guy would that first of all, I mean, if, if the play is like down the gut, I mean, that's where the, he was going. He was going right down the middle. What guy was wide open because they're doing they're doing a crossing pattern. Why in the heck do you have your running back not know that he needs to pick up any any blocker, especially when that running back knows where the ball's going to go? That ball's not going to go to him, you know. It's like, so so it's just it's just kind of like that whole thing is like. The Patriots are very like every play that they run. They know exactly every situation that that goes in. And and I don't want to be a, be a mark and say like you know do your job. But every every guy does their job. And what I like about the Patriots 
and what I, what I see from the Patriots that I don't see that I don't think I've ever seen from any other team is that they stick to their game plan no matter what. The, the, what you know when I thought it was over? Here's when I thought it was over. The only time I thought it was over is when they did that onside kick mm-hmm. in the second half. I was I was like that's not that's not the way the Patriots play. They're reaching. Yeah, they're they're reaching. That that was the one call where I knew they were reaching, and, and that, that's when I was kind of when when I saw it, I was like, you know what? I'm like, they never play, they never make that call. So if they're if they're getting that desperate, it's like, all right, you know, like okay, they're gonna they're gonna lose. It's fine, because I got to see them. I got to see them play the whole season. I mean, you know, and I'm not making excuses for Gronk being out, but it's like it, they were they were a fun team to watch, and and the Patriots to me are always a fun team to watch because they're so disciplined. And and I get to see one of the best quarterbacks in the game. Just just I mean, just pick pick who you know pick and roll. And it's like it's like they have one they have one they have two position players on offense that are that's better than everybody else. And and you can say a third about James White because I've always liked James White, but he's been hurt a lot. But Gronkowski is the best in the game. You can make an argument Bray's the best in the game. And then you just have like these scrappy guys like Edelman, uh, Hogan, and uh, Amendola that just like they're 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 not anything great. <laughs> but but they just they're, they're just they're just gamers, right? Well, and that's what's so fun. Well, that's the thing. Like, I mean, Edelman, I know is going to get his, but Amendola's been such an afterthought. He hasn't done sh- he hasn't done jack all season, and then in those crunch situations, like they go to him and he comes through. Um, well, I think that's you know part of it is coaching, like a lot of, a lot of it is coaching, but a lot of it, and I think this is where Belichick is, you know, a few steps ahead of everybody else. It's like. He's not looking for the best athlete, right? He's looking for the guy that fits the role that he needs and the guy that's smart. It's like, like you could argue, you know, halfway through the season that that guy Collins was the best defensive player, probably. You could have yeah. made the argument, right? Yeah. And no, Belichick, I mean, it, it, it was the basis. I mean, that was the basis. Uh, him and Hightower and Collins. That's the that's like the the top two guys in their defense. Right, and he knows he can get rid of Collins and find someone else to do the job. And when he got rid of Collins, I didn't care. I was like, all right. If he, well, if I thought, like, and if, it's like my my initial reaction is. Dude, what are you doing? But then, you know, after you think about it, it's like, well, like I'm not gonna question Belichick. You know, you know, he he doesn't make mistakes like this, and and it's something that nobody else would do. He's worrying about you know, he's two uh, two steps down the road when he has a chance to win a title, and it doesn't even you know they don't they don't miss a beat. So I mean, yeah, it's well like, he he gains control of of a of a professional sport where the athlete has more power. Like especially like a top level athlete, right. and he's 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 always shown, over and over again. He's like, you know what? Like I'll cut you like that. The one player that he will not cut, is Tom Brady. And if you think about it, that's what makes Brady even more respected in that in that, in that locker room. Is like that he has like one untouchable person, and and it's the most important person on the whole field, and that's Tom Brady. I mean, it's just it's just like subtle genius that this guy has. And I, I'm not gonna sit here and go like, oh, you know, because I think Belichick has made a lot of mistakes, but. When when all of a sudden done is that they don't change their game plan, they they play the game that they play. It's it's, it's very refreshing to say like if you're gonna beat us, you're gonna beat us at the game that we want to play. We're, you're not gonna beat us because we react to how you are. We're gonna react to how you are, but we're not gonna change our game plan, and you're gonna have to adjust to us. And that's what that whole second half was: is that the Falcons had to adjust to them. And that offense, I mean, you know, you can talk about all the bad play calls, and when when when. They were supposed to run it three times. I mean, it was like the only form of emotion that I saw. I was like, I knew they were going to get a sack. I knew they were going to get a sack. I didn't know they were going to get a holding penalty. But the second they got that sack, it's like, all right, at least now, now there's like something there. And then, then you get the holding penalty. Then you get the incompletion. And I, 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 I punched my, I, I punch my hand. I said, I said, here, I said, and now, now we're going to play. Now there's a game because 
any other team would have kicked a field goal. Yeah, and I just don't know how you go up by 25 and then decide you're going to abandon your run game, man. That, that makes no sense. You know, and, I, and I don't like when guys go ultra-conservative and make it obvious they're just going to run three times and punt, right? But it's good that we won't mix it up. Man. I mean, I don't know how the Falcons could just decide they're well, not going to they, they, they started. They started doing draw plays. They started trying to run it down the gut. Even even when they try to go... I mean, the Patriots said, like, the side-to-side is going to kill us. If you if you hit us on the side and you and you hit the seam on the side, you are going to kill us. Mm-hmm. And they, they got away from the seams on the sides. I'm like, dude, I'm like... Why are you gonna Why are you gonna Why are you gonna throw a pitch, ten yards away from the from the quarterback when when that line is so good and and that linebacking core is so good to stop that type of run they can't stop the sides I mean and you saw that like the first like two three plays and that's one of the reasons why I kind of felt like okay you know that they're not gonna win because the first couple running plays they're beating them on the sides mm-hmm. and just going straight down the sideline and again you know 20, 30 yards each time yeah yeah because like, yeah Freeman's super quick and Coleman Coleman's good too. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know what they were doing. Were you, were you, were you rooting for the Patriots? Yeah. And, and why do you root for the Patriots for? Um, I mean, cause I'd probably say like maybe eighty percent of the time you root for the Patriots if you if yeah. you're watching them play. Yeah, they they're they're if uh, I'm certain that if DeBartolo wasn't forced to sell the team that that he would be running his team the way the Patriots are currently running it. I mean, they're they're they're. Uh, Okay, they they are. Uh, let me go. Let me go historical over here. They're they're the uh, the Byzantine Empire, right? Like nothing flashy. Right. Well, you know, if uh, if if the Forty ers under DeBartolo were Rome, and then they had to, you know, they got sacked and it, and it ended, and then all the the bright and and powerful left and went to the east, and then reestablished in New England. To the east, blackwards. Yeah. Shalom. Ah, with. <laughs> At the crossroads, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's what it is. They they run they run the organization the way the 49ers, like you know, they would have had to adjust to the different rules and, and then the changing of the game and all that. But well, I mean, but DeBarlo was a lot of flash, though, right? I mean, Kraft to me is like he's just like steady. Like he doesn't really react. And when 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 he when he wants someone to eat crow, he'll like what he did with Goodell. But I think DeBarlo he had too much ego, though. I mean, I think he had a lot of ego. Maybe he would have. But it didn't. It didn't get away. It didn't get in the way of anything well, I mean, that he, he was doing. Like, yeah. It, the down. The but, downfall but was, was his ego, because. Yeah. But but he was. But there was a. But you needed a special coach like a Bill Walsh because I mean he was starting to fire Bill Walsh like every other every other week, right? And Bill Walsh was able to kind of just ride that storm out. So I mean I mean I, I don't I don't disagree with you. I, th- I think DeBarlo is one of the best owners of all time. But he he you know in this day and age of. Salary cap and everything like that. I don't know if DeBarlo would be successful, but the sad thing is, like, he had never been able to have a chance to prove it. Right. Well, I think, but that was, they were the Niners were always ahead of the curve of everybody else, and whatever the rule changed, they they adjusted with. So I'm pretty sure they would have they would figure out a way to have gotten it done in the salary cap era. But you know, that's that's what the Patriots did. They they figured out what the rules of the game were, and they figured out how to get get out ahead of the curve. And both of them had, you know. The best, the best coach of a generation at the helm, and the best quarterback of that era at the helm too. So the question I want to ask you, because you brought this up, and, and I'm not a big proponent of, like to me, like when you follow a team that is just good in all areas and they're like the best actual like team, 
a lot of things came out when after Brady won, and, and I'm not trying to lump you in this category, but you know, like, oh, Brady's the greatest of all time, right? Like, go, 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 go. And I'm starting going like, well, no, I mean, I still think Montana's the goat. I think Montana's is, is the greatest, <coughs> and you can, and you are six, so I'll, I'll let you give you a pass on that. Um, but you, what you said was that you said that like Brady was um, like the uh, like the Ric Flair of wrestling as a champion, and Joe Montana was like the Bret Hart. And and I think it's reversed. I think Brady is the Bret Hart because he's steady. And he doesn't have like a lot of flair, you, you know, no pun intended. Where I think like Montana is like a flair because like Montana just to me Montana has like this it factor, and like you knew he was the best, and it was just like this guy that you didn't think was going to be the best because he wasn't physically dominating, but the guy was he had so much finesse that, you know, he was. I think I thought he had, I think he has a ton more charisma than Brady ever had, but you reversed that up and you and you thought different. So kind of tell me, you know, well it, it's nice to like. Finally, like, w- when you like a team for so much, and now all of a sudden, like, they're starting to get credit, and people are trying to say, like, oh, man, this is a team really good before, and it's like, they're cheaters, this, that, and this. So it's nice to finally hear, like, people give them credit. So that I kind of want, I'm doing this twofold. Like, I want to see why you disagree with me on Bret Hart and Ric Flair when compared to Brady and Montana, but at the same time, like, I'm doing it because I want you to, I want you to talk great about Tom Brady. Okay, so just for me, like, uh, I mean, Montana was... Like he was, he was, he was a technician, right? He was like very precise, very accurate with everything. Um, he was going to, you know, take exactly what he could get with the defense. Um, you know, use all the weapons that he had. But I think, and and I and I think this is why it's kind of changed over time. Um, if you look at wrestling, in that you know, if you look at Bret Hart and say take Bret Hart in his prime and put him in the WWE today. You would say, physically, he's right in there, like with all the main players, like size-wise, strength-wise, right? But you gotta kind of remember back to the time when Bret Hart was transitioning into a singles wrestler. In terms of guys that were considered like world champions and guys that could carry a promotion, he was a small guy, right? And and I feel like Montana was was that too. It's like there was a certain and again, I don't want to say that he was fragile because the rules were completely different back then. But Montana would get hurt, like you know, every every other year, uh, because someone some defensive line would come in late and just clean him out, right? And that, I mean, that was part of the game back then. So you know, I just kind of felt like like Brady has been able to like over the years build himself up to you know being a pretty <laughs> he's a big guy now, huh? Um, which which you know Montana never became that. He was always slight. He was. At that point in time, you know, he was one of the better running back quarterbacks um, in the game, and uh, so he had he had all the facets that you would need to be. Um, I never thought of him. You know, he had a certain charisma, but it wasn't like uh, he wasn't like gregarious, right? He wasn't flamboyant. like yeah, he wasn't like an outgoing flamboyant guy, which is kind of what Bret Hart like. He had he had like a in his own way, as bad as his promos were, like there was there was a certain there was a certain charisma that he did have, um, even though he was a bad promo at that time. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I kind of, I kind of see him as, at that time, Hart was kind of. The the biggest obstacle for him getting to the top was his size, which, because back then it was like, Hulk Hogan or bigger, right? And 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 you know nowadays like he'd be right in as kind of like, what you're looking for is your prototypical size kind of like world champion, um, and Brady. I, I don't know that Flair is the best comp- comparison, but yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's 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 won the title, 
more than everybody. Um, he has a certain arrogance that I, I don't mind, but he has it. Um, and then he's, again, he's technically sound as well, but um, no, I think he's got, I don't know, he, he, seem, he seems to exude that arrogance a little bit more than, than I think Montana did. And I, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I just, I just I kind of think that's how it is. So I, I've always been a proponent, like Montana is like the best quarterback I've ever seen, right? Like he is like, I, I think he is the best quarterback ever. And I don't think you have, I mean, I, with, with, to me, you know, when, when Montana's on, when he was on, nobody could touch him. I mean, like, and I, I'm talking like better, better than, better than Brady, better than Peyton Manning. When, when this guy was on all cylinders, he was like unstoppable. And, you know, there was a time, you know, Peyton at a time had really good receivers, right? He had a, he had Harrison. Um, he had the secondary, that secondary guy was really good too. Um, God, what was that guy's Harper? name? No, no. It was, uh, what's, uh, the guy that came from, uh, that, that, that small from Miami, the small guy, the, whatever it was, but I mean, he had Harrison and he, he had another good, I mean, he had, he had, I mean, he had a good running back in there than James. I mean, he had, he had a, his. That, uh, that offense was one of the best offenses ever with, with Peyton Manning. But Brady had it, too, with Randy Moss, um, Dante Stallworth, um, all these other guys as well when they when they almost went undefeated. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sitting there going, like, okay, you know, Montana had, I mean, Montana had Jerry Rice and John Taylor. John Taylor is one of the most, John Taylor to me is one of the most underappreciated receivers of all time. I mean, like, I don't think Jerry Rice is as good without John Taylor. John Taylor at the time was like, that was like the one team where you had the number one receiver in all the league. John Taylor was number two. Like, no question. John Taylor was that good. So when I'm thinking like, you know, on all cylinders, Montana never had to be in a situation where you have to come back like you said. Um, and they also had great defenses that people don't talk about. Yeah. So the question that I asked, though, is that, okay, if, and this is what makes it hard, is that you just saw Tom Brady come back from down from, 20, you know, 28 to 3, a 25-point deficit. If you if the game's on the line, who are you going to? You're going to go to Tom Brady or are you going to go to Joe Montana? And, and that, to me, that's tough. I, I think it's a I think it's a toss up. And who who do you rely on more? I mean, who would you who, if 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 your life depended on it and you're down six points, who would you go to as quarterback to lead that final drive? And you have you have a minute and thirty seconds left, and you and you need to score the the game winning touchdown. I have Montana with Walsh and the rest of the Niners offense. Then I think I'm going Montana. Yeah, so the, the, so the one, one, so I think that's why he's the to, <coughs> me, to me he's still the best of all time. So, uh, I mean, for me, I'll say you know I got I got to go with the rings, and the thing that I've really kind of changed my mind um, in the last couple of years was like I really held on to the you know Montana's four and zero and Brady lost two Super Bowls, but. Over the last couple of years, listening to enough arguments, I'm like, well, I mean, I can't hold it against Brady that he made it to two, now three more Super Bowls, right? Um, and every Super Bowl, they're in a position to win. I right. Mean, for the, yeah. And, and I just say, you know, it's, it's like, this is really how you know you're getting old because you get to the point where, you know, when you're a you, kid... You become the Red Rooster, right? Yeah, well, okay, okay. Well, when you're a kid, like, people are like, well, you know, it's hard to compare eras, right? You're like, I didn't see that era. I only seen this one. Yeah. So, like, I don't know what the difference but after now watching football for like 30 some odd years like and you really see like all the changes that they've made in the rules to benefit the offense it's really hard to compare because now you, if you all of a sudden tell me okay if in in the Montana era no cornerback could put their hands on Jerry Rice 
and no, and Jim Burke couldn't come through and, and blindside Joe Montana. Like, I mean, tell me they would have won a couple more Super Bowls, yeah. right? So, so. And Jerry Rice would be even a better player than he is now. Right. So that's so that's kind of the thing with me is like you know I. I want to respect the, the 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 rings and the numbers, and I'll say I'll say yeah, it probably probably Brady has surpassed him, but. I'll, I would if I wanted to uh, play the devil's advocate and make the argument, and I could easily do so because I'm a big Joe Montana mark. But I'd say if you if you like go like apples to apples and start saying like what could the 49ers offense have done with the rules being what they were, then you know Montana would have more. But then I guess but, but I can also same, yeah. I can counter it and say they wouldn't have that offense. Well, in the in the in the salary cap era, yeah. and then this time of free agency. Would have been very difficult to keep all of this called to keep all of this together. You know, so, I, I think the thing that tips like because I, I go back and forth. Like I, I, I'm going to say that Montana is the best of all time, but Tom Brady. You look at his receivers that he's had that that he's won that he's won off of, and and you know I would I would say that if you want to play devil's advocate, the um, Brady's won with less weapons. But I think his defenses have been way better than than the Niners defense. Now the Niners. I don't know about that. No, I mean, no, I mean, you know, you you compare those defenses. The 49ers defenses were good. Don't get me wrong. And that '94 defense is one of my favorite defenses of all time. But as a as as a defense as a whole, they had a three or four year run where where it was just they they were, the Patriots had a they have a smarter defense. Like they they're they're coached better, I think, on defense, and they're they're a smarter they're. During that during that run where they won three Super Bowls, I felt that not only were they talented, but their defensive coordinator, you know, Cornell was really good, and all the like the defenders they meshed, they were able to stay intact, and they were a very smart defense, and they had great game plans too. I wouldn't say they're you know in some positions that the 49ers, I think position wise, 49ers probably had more talented players, but you look at you look at I I feel that the Patriots are were a better team because they played a more team style defense. So I, I, you know, so it's, it's it's back and forth. We can go back and forth, and, and, and I'm not a 49 I'm listen, Patriots 49ers. Those are my two favorite teams, and I, and I'm not and I'm front running on maybe one of them because of the 49ers. But I grew up here, so I can be a 49ers fan. Patriots, I, I'm not a front runner because I like them when they suck. Yeah, now you're you're reaching for uh for Gogan and lippity tippet back. That's what I'm saying, bro. We're getting it done. So. That's what I'm saying. So all right, let's talk. Let's talk some wrestling. All right. Um. So let's let's talk about your boy, dude. You're jumping up and down, you know? Joe? Yeah. Oh, is that your boy? That is my boy. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I have many boys. Uh, which, which boy were you talking about? I'm talking about Joe. All right. Um, is, so there anything, is, there anything else you, is there anything else you want to get into, like the Royal Rumble or anything? I mean, I, 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 mean I think we could talk Rumble, and, and then I think that could segue into talking about Joe. Okay. So, I mean, first of all, I'm glad you, you came over and watched the Rumble, man. We haven't, we haven't watched uh, yeah. wrestling in a while, so it was, it was good having you over. Um, I thought overall the card was was pretty good, um, some 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 good matches in the preliminaries, um, but I mean I don't know like how do you feel about the rumble? Because I think at the night of the night we saw it, we were both like it was pretty good. There was there was good things about it. There was there was it wasn't spectacular I don't think, um, but kind of coming away from it a little bit uh, now like uh, two weeks removed, I feel like it did it did the job pretty well, and I think that. I'm not, I'm not saying it was a great rumble. It was it was fun to watch. It's not something that's going to go down as like you know top five rumble of all time or anything. But um, there were interesting 
position that they were put in in terms of like trying to keep momentum going with certain guys and and not kill momentum with other guys and they had to walk a fine line and because of that some some of it was unspectacular but I thought like in terms of the direction they're trying to go with their story it, it kind of served its purpose even if I don't necessarily like the direction of some of those storylines well it depends on what you watch the rumble for right and it depends on what type of wrestling fan that you are if, if, if you're in the camp that you just want to complain all the time then this was a great rumble for you right because you know orton won and, it, and everybody starts coming out i don't want to see orton and john cena it's like dude like, like get over it dude i'm like, I'm like look you know look long term right i think where the rumble failed is that they could have put a ton of people in there like you know there's there's you know i don't know what omega status is right I don't, you know, like they could have put Nakamura in there. They could have put Joe in there. Uh, they could have threw a, thrown a curveball and put Kurt Angle in there. So that they could have had a lot of wow factors in there. But within the framework of the Rumble, you're right. There, it, there wasn't like there wasn't high spots. There wasn't like an overall theme to this Rumble, right? And the whole thing is like, if if you would have put in Braun Strowman. And Braun Strowman would have lasted until like 25 or 26, and then he gets thrown out. You would have been pissed off about that, right? Last year's Rumble, I really liked because Bray Wyatt really shined. Like, you could you could see what Bray Wyatt could do. It was like a Bray, Bray Wyatt spot fest. So when he gets kicked out, I'm mad. I'm like, dude, I'm like, this guy's ready to go. You could say the same thing about Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns dominated when he was, when Roman Reigns was hot. He dominated that Rumble. Come on, two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. Not, not the, three years ago, maybe. Because he won, no, I'm not talking <coughs> about the world that he won. I'm talking right, about the, the world before. Year before when he and he was him. hot, yeah. and he gets thrown out, and everybody's pissed off about that. Right. And then you have the world, the Roman Reigns Rumble, and everybody gets pissed off that because he wins and because he's dominant there too. This was the first Rumble where there was no one dominant. Like they, this, this, to me, this Rumble wasn't hinged on who would win. I think I thought there were so much, so many storylines within the Rumble mm-hmm. that it set up a lot of other things. Now. The storylines that they'd set up, I wasn't really happy with, right? right. Like, I don't want Seth Rollins Triple H. I don't want Roman Reigns uh, Undertaker. And I don't want Goldberg and Brock Lesnar. I don't want any one of those. Right. Um, but it wasn't like, you know, to me, the emphasis of the last guy that wins is going to get their title shot. That wasn't a big emphasis. There's so many other storylines involved. There were so many times that we could have been surprised that we weren't that it kind of kept you in it. But there's a letdown at the end. All I needed was like, uh, all I needed was like a big kind of like, either a, a, a big surprise or Bray Wyatt winning. Now, in hindsight, two weeks from now, I really think that Bray Wyatt's going to win the Elimination Chamber, and right. he's going he's going to be a champion. And then it's Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt. And if Randy Orton wins, I, I don't care. As long as Bray Wyatt gets like a two week run, I don't care. Dude. It's like he's this guy should be a champion. Right. And and the whole thing is like, if you think about, it, they protected they protected Bray Wyatt, and whether people like it or not. Roman Reigns had a great pay per view. I mean, he he did business at this pay per view, and I I, enjoy, I enjoyed everything about that pay per view when it, Roman Reigns was involved. Okay, well, with, with, without going play by play, okay, on the Rumble, um, we'll go back and then let's let's build to how it ended because there's some things I want to jump off there, especially with Roman Reigns. So, things that I think they did well. Okay, so Braun Strowman came out looking very good in the Royal Rumble. But they did it in a way that he like he do- like he dominated um, the early part of the rumble, and then um, but you knew he you don't want him you know main line headlining you know WrestleMania so you can't have him win, 
So he, he dominates. He looks strong early on. But then another guy that they're trying to push, Cor- uh, Baron Corbin comes in and gets that elimination. And, like, he gets the rub off of what, how strong Braun Strowman looks. So, so they're, also, they're also able to, you know, these two young guys that aren't really ready to main event, but guys that they're trying to go forward, they both come out looking strong. <coughs> Dillinger got, got that real nice baby face pop. You know, he did a good job for the part he was in. I thought that was good. Um, then, like, kind of moving, moving forward later into the match, you know, ag- again, I don't care to see Goldberg Lesnar either, but if that's the match that you're setting up for the way that, that Goldberg eliminated Brock Lesnar, like, that that did the job for them. Not that I want to see it. <laughs> not, not, that they know what, not that they know what a good suit is. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then the same for... Um, you know, buy, buying that, you know, $20,000 worth of suits, you have to, you know, it's two hours for each thing. Like, even I can't do that, and I, and I wear good suits. He doesn't know what a good suit is. Yeah. Um, and then with Taker as well, right? So then Taker goes ahead and, and they're able to, uh, he's able to look good for the, the small amount of period that he's in, even though, again, I don't want to see that match either. Like, you know, he looks strong for, for the part that he was in. Um, now, I will say, I, I'm kind of going down the list. As much as I wanted to see Joe in the Rumble, you know, the way that it bared out on Monday, I think they did the right thing from holding him out because unless he's going to win the Rumble, then he can only look he can only look worse by getting in there and losing. So hindsight, yeah, the night I wanted to see it, and I would have been I would have popped huge, but hindsight, I think they did the right thing by holding him off until Raw. Angle, I think there's no excuse for not having Kurt Angle in there because the thing that that the way that I'm looking at it, and and this is going to kind of segue into the Roman Reigns day, um, it's like you had a handful of guys that really had no business being in that rumble. And like who? Um, Mojo Rawley is the first name that comes to mind. <laughs> okay, so you tell me like you can't you can't get Kurt Angle who you're now inducting into the into the Hall of Fame. You can't get him like you know an old school uh, you know um, comeback pop or something like that instead of Mojo Rawley. Like I, I thought that was pretty weak. Um, I thought I, I did not care for the Gallagher umbrella spot. Um, I did, uh, however, uh, you know, I, I've been critical of Ellsworth, but I thought Ellsworth's spot worked, um, and Dean Dean sold it really well too, so I, I don't have a problem with that one uh, because they did it they did it very well, um, but like, and then this kind of uh, leads to the Roman Reigns thing coming in at thirty. Like, I mean, and I don't know if we're gonna go on the whole like, I don't know what people want out of this guy to be honest, right? It's like, it's like he lose he lose he, he puts on a great match mm-hmm. and he loses. Okay, he gets in, he's wronged when he loses. So if you want to say, okay, they put him in the rumble because he was wronged in his earlier match, fair enough. He comes in at thirty. He does his job, right? He does he does a job, and you put him in at thirty. So it's not like you know you have to watch him the whole time, right? It's yeah. not like you had to watch him. He's out there for a total of five minutes mm-hmm. max, and he still loses again. He loses uh, and, twice and, in a and, night. And he, I mean, he he big he you know he energized that match, right? right? And I mean, I wasn't happy when he came out at thirty, but. You look at the, I mean, fi- the you look at the five minutes that he did in that rumble. It was it was a good match. Yeah, and I'm I mean I like Reigns, so I'm fine watching Reigns go for 15 minutes. I'm talking to the people that that don't like Roman Reigns. And it's like you're gonna complain and say why is Roman Reigns in that match, but you don't have a problem with Mojo Rawley. Uh, you don't have a problem with um, with with Gallagher and his umbrella, but and you, you you like that, but you don't want to see Roman Reigns. It's like you gotta put stuff in perspective. 
Okay, and then, and then his not even leading to a title match is leading to po- probably a match with the Undertaker, right? Where he might have to do his job. Well, he'll probably have to do a job yeah. again. And it's like this guy's doing jobs all over the place. He's putting on good matches, and and all you and and you're so you people, yeah, you <laughs> you people out there, are so are so blinded by your by your hate that that you want to say oh oh well, it's just a mega push like they're shoving him down our throat. Look like, you know, a lot of people and I, I never I never bought into this comparison of John Cena, and um, and Roman Reigns, but. You know, when, when, when John Cena was getting a mega push, John Cena didn't lose ever, right? He, he'd lose once every six months, maybe, right? And then you got Roman Reigns losing twice in a night, three times a week, and you're still complaining that, like, he's, he's getting this mega push? It's like, get over yourself, okay? He's, he's putting on good matches, okay? He's losing. He's putting guys over. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't really understand what leg these people have to stand and complain on saying, He's getting shoved down our throat, and and he's getting this nonstop push. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, he's he's pretty much mid card status right now. I mean, he's a, he's still a big name, but he's not he's and not main eventing anything. And, and he's put on he's put on good matches, right? And yeah. so I mean, yeah, and he, he's not getting shoved down our throat. You know, it, it's it's. <laughs> I don't know how you can you can watch a wrestling program where you have two heels that are running the program. They are fun to watch. They're not like they're not trying to be a heel. They're entertaining, and I'm talking about Owens and Jericho. But then you still get mad about Roman Reigns whenever he does anything, whether he wins or he loses. It's like you're going to hit him no matter what. And that's just like the whole thing. It's like, it's like we just live in this era where, you know, oh, why are we watching Randy Orton and John Cena again? Randy Orton, Randy Orton. It's like, you know what? I'm like, Randy Orton has busted his ass for three, four years, right? Like he, he's been nobody, right? And I, I'm not saying like, oh, we should all jump on the Randy Orton bandwagon. I'm not a big fan of his, but here's the thing: is like you know he's this, the the run that he's doing with the Wyatts. It's it's been entertaining, right? It's like it, it brings up a different level to his character in terms of something we haven't seen before, and and he's uh, you know he he hasn't won in over three years. Like I don't think he's very reliable, but you know that might be a reason why. But it's like you know it's like get over yourself. It's like if you're I mean what would make you happy? What would make you happy as a wrestling fan? Who would you want to win as a wrestling fan? Finn Balor, or hey, maybe Seth Rollins. I mean, it's like it's like what one wrestler are you gonna watch in this thing to, to that's gonna make you happy, right? If Chris Jericho wins, it's like oh he's too old. Oh Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens, oh they have such a great thing going. Why blah blah. It's like nothing that they do will ever make you happy. There there is not one wrestler in the world today that that has street cred, that has indie cred, that has like this this kind of. Uh, underground cred where people are going to mark out and go all crazy this guy's wins there's nobody like that so are you really mad because a wwe wrestler that is a wwe wrestler that doesn't have any of the cred that i just mentioned is winning or are you mad because there's no there's no wrestler that has underground cred that has this big upswell of of of, of winning the rumble right it was like you can't say that about aj styles you can't say that about Sami Zayn, right like who do you want to win do you want ty dillinger to win hey Ty Dillinger is pretty good, you know. Like he he has, you know, he's the closest thing to the yes 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 chant and says it's, it's ten ten ten. You want him to win the rumble? So it's just kind of like this whole thing is like until you have a wrestler that is so overpowering in terms of popularity and 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 technicality and the techniques, shut the hell up, right? Because there's no wrestler there right now. <coughs> and right when I'm done talking, you you have to cough. You know, oh the ribs, baby, the ribs, yeah. baby, the ribs. But you know that that's where I'm coming from. It's like you're never going to be happy about it. And I think maybe the one guy that you'd be happy with is Samoa Joe. 
But there's going to be someone else that's going to be like, Samoa Joe nah, hasn't paid his dues. He's fat. Blah, 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 blah. Samoa Joe is... Samoa Joe... The only way that anybody would have been happy with anything is if it would have been Samoa Joe or Nakamura winning the Rumble. And maybe if Omega comes in and he wins the Rumble, then everybody would be happy. It, it, it's just... It's so hard to, to really, like, wrap your mind around this because it's like... I mean, I'm sure there's, like, a percentage of people that would have been happy if Undertaker won, right? I'm sure there's a lot of people that would... Would have marked out for Undertaker. It's like, I, I, I don't know why. Or, or even worse than or, that, Goldberg. Goldberg right. Yeah. It's like, why do you, why do you want to see that? Like, you people that are, you, <laughs> you people, people, you bad. I'm, I'm pointing at this microphone too. <laughs> you bad hombres. You people, you bad hombres. Like, ninety percent of you never saw Goldberg, and and I guarantee you, if you ever saw Goldberg in his prime, you wouldn't be cheering, and you want him to come out of nowhere just because he, just because you don't know who he is, just because he's somebody new, and you want to be. The, you want to be like the stupidest person on every single message board that that has the post that says well, first. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't think they have message boards anymore. It's more like replies and comments. And well, stuff. Uh, on, you know, on a message yeah, board, yeah, a yeah. reply, yes, reply yeah, yeah, and yeah. comment thing. Message thing, boards thing. Are like ten years. Ago. You're, you're right. right. You're right. But that, that's what I meant. But yeah, it's like okay, Goldberg a sucks. Forum. Okay. <laughs> you want to be on the wrestling forum first? Okay. Yeah. First, <laughs> no. yeah, yeah, and, and it's like he sucks. Okay, he, his spear sucks. Okay, then, then uh, I'll go on diatribe too. You're gonna have all this hate and disgust for Roman Reigns, yet you want to cheer Goldberg? You sound like Snoop Dogg right now when, during, during the Source the Source Awards. Yeah, <laughs> you don't like West Coast? <laughs> you got love for us? Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, Reigns Reigns has a, a thousand times better spear than Goldberg. Reigns is a thousand times better on a microphone than Goldberg is. Reigns is a thousand times better worker than Goldberg ever was on his best day, but you want them to do backflips for Goldberg coming out, okay? It's ridiculous, okay? You want to talk about somebody who got shoved down people's throats, and, and you hate Roman Reigns because he's been shoved down your throat? You never fucking watched Goldberg and his fake-ass 100-win streak beating Mike Enos 32 hey, times. Hey, in one and, week, when and one... Iron in, Mi- and Iron Mike Sharp... In one week, Goldberg notched 35 wins exactly, in a row. In exactly. one week. He was working overtime that day. Not to mention, he had already lost to Mongo before. That's true. Okay, so so I don't want to hear about that stuff. Okay, you you guys want to, you 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 lose all credibility if you're gonna mark out for Goldberg and say that you can't stand Roman Reigns, and 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 that's that's just all it is. So I I I, uh, I brand you as a millennial, and say uh, and say do some research. All right, so let's end off with that. Let's go into some other things. Let's go ahead and do our uh, our mic segment, and uh, we'll go from there. I don't know what this is. Yeah, shut up, dude. Shut up, honey. There we go. Injected themselves with the poison of mankind. No, 
neighbors with no film over their eyes. They believed Hulk Hogan that the catch of one last battle was worth losing it all. All right, that's enough of that. Let's go. Let's go into the next one because it's even better. I'm trying to do my Hulk Hogan counter. You're doing. Oh, you're doing the counter. Killed the two pilots. So that you can face this challenge. Ultimate Warrior is a murderer. Double homicide. Dispose of them, Hulk Hogan. Ding. Assume the controls, Hulk Hogan. Ding. Shove that control into a nosedive, Hulk Hogan. Ding. Ding. You are about to enter a world close to parts unknown. Oh, smell it, warriors. Smell what? Do you, Hulk Hogan, Ding. look for a place to hide? Or do you, Hulk Hogan, face that challenge that may be more powerful than even you are, Hulk Hogan? Ding. Ding. Must self-destruct. Why? So that you will know, Hulk Hogan. Oh, okay, here we go. Ding. Who is? <coughs> Who is what? The chosen one. Oh. It all comes clear now. Oh, okay. oh, sorry, sorry. Ding. I am not the chosen one. Then who is? Bitch. Ding. Fall asleep there. 
The what? Only what? Not the chosen one, though. So he's the one, but not the chosen one. There we go. The only one. That, that is the worst wrestling promo of all time. Ever. Six, Ever. 16 Hulk Hogan's. Hulk Hogan. And three snorts. Minimum. Minimum. But he's not the chosen one, but he's the one. The, the one of what? One. The only one. The only one for what? To cut that bad of a promo? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that that's that's the epitome uh, of a rusty mic. I mean, I mean that's like a, Miss, Miss Teen South Carolina thought that guy was rambling <laughs> and incoherent. I, um, I mean, there's warrior stuff. Man. I mean, the whole thing, I mean, he, he killed two guys. He just admitted to killing two guys. Or right. did, did Hogan I, kill the two I guys? I believe, yes. He's... I believe so. Hogan's on, so Hogan's on the plane. Yes, he knows he's going to face the Ultimate Warrior. Right. He knows he, that it's the ultimate challenge, and so Hulk Hogan's response to that is going like, "Well, since I'm going to lose, I might as well kill these two co- these two guys in the cockpit as well." Well, kill everybody on the plane because after he kills the pilots, he's putting the plane into a nosedive. Hulk Hogan. Well, first he first first he kicks the door. First he kicks the door. First he kicks like the door, to the plane. So all, all the vacuum there is, is like escaping, and so it takes a lot of strength well, for Hogan. I, I believe he's talking about kicking the cockpit door, but no, so I think he can I, get at the pilot. I think I think he kicked a door first, and then he kicked the cockpit door. Mm. But I, I don't understand why Hulk Hogan would like kill everybody on the kill everybody on the plane, so he can go in a nosedive to do what? What is he going in a nosedive for? Kill himself, so he doesn't have to fight the warrior. He's gonna try to crash the plane. But the warrior's not the chosen one. He's just the one. He's the only. He's the only one. It's like, it's like watching like the Warriors, you know, like the Warriors movie, you know. It did. It did. Cyrus. Yes, it did have that vibe. Um, can you dig it? Can you dig it? Oh, cold. Oh, I got. I got. That, that was the two senses I got. Was I got the Cyrus from the Warriors movie? Yeah. And then I got. Um, so, but Cyrus in the Warriors movie was good. Right. And I also got the, that's uh, crap, brothers. I, I got the the vibe of um of of uh the girlfriend from Carlito's way, with the when he's breaking down the cockpit. I I imagine what are you what are you gonna do, Hogan? Kick open the door, break the chains, chase me around the ring, get me naked. <laughs> I can see Ultimate Warrior asking Hogan, yeah. get me naked. And Hogan's like, I'm too old for that, brother. <laughs> If you can't get in, you don't get in. It's like, dude, I've been in jail for thirty years. I just want to get laid, and you're not, gonna, and you're gonna make me kick down a door so I can get, so I can get in. But it's what's gonna happen. If someone walks by right at the second I'm getting kicked down the door, you know what's gonna happen? They're gonna call the cops. And guess what? I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna break my parole, and I'm gonna go back to jail for another twenty years. <laughs> Ultimate words, man. Where's my cheesecake, Hulk? Hogan. <laughs> It's the last time I clean up your blood. Hulk. Hulk. <laughs> oh, this stupid code is only going to get yourself killed. Jimmy Hart is my friend, brother. I owe, I owe him. You don't owe him shit. You just think you did. <laughs> you just think you did. Hogan. Hulk. Hogan. You ever kill two pilots? 
That's not that's not an easy question to answer, brother. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. So, uh, real fast, um, let's go ahead and, and get into uh, things that you like in wrestling right now. I like Samoa Joe. Um, I'm like really happy for Joe. Um, paid his dues like to the fullest to all sorts of independent companies, bad companies, companies like TNA that don't know what to do with him. Um, when he signed with NXT, a lot of people even wondered if he'd ever make it up to the main roster, like what was their plan for him. Um, he's been a guy who, if you look at what WWE is looking for traditionally, he's not like he's not a body guy, okay, but he's a very legitimate competitor. And he comes out in that suit, dude. Yeah, and, and, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, I think the thing with him is always like, okay, you know this guy can do great things, but what do you do with him? And and it looks like there's a commitment to to giving him a prominent role on on the show. And I'm really surprised he ended up on Raw. Like I thought I thought you know it'd be very easy to put him on SmackDown. Um, you know, beef up that roster. It's very easy to, to run programs with him and AJ Styles because they've had some great some great stuff in the past. Um, but they put him into a prominent role being Triple H's henchman, and, and uh, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm just really excited to see and where it's going to go, and I'm just like, I'm really happy for the guy, because, like, there's, you know, <laughs> the you deserve it chant is way overdone, but, like, I don't know that there's anybody, I mean, as, as, as much as AJ Styles deserved the opportunity he got, I think Samoa Joe deserved it more than AJ based on, you know, the work that I had seen, not, not, Nothing against AJ. I think AJ is great, well, and, and AJ's proven it. From and the and at the time when both those guys were in their prime, Samoa Joe to me outshined AJ Styles, and right. they, they fought each other a lot with the X Division Championship. And Joe to me outperformed both him and Christopher Daniels. Right. So um, that's 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 it for me. I mean, that's that's what's good for me. All right. One thing I like is uh is well maybe you should say well what do you like? So maybe I, I and I cut you off. I, I apologize. What do you like? Hulk. Hulk. Uh, no, I don't like Hulk Hogan. Um, Luke Harper. I really, I, you know, it's it's he is able to have a really staid storyline where he's turning on everybody, but I, I think there is a swerve in there somewhere. But really liked him in the Royal Rumble, even though it's a it is a trope that I've seen many a time over the past thirty years that I've been watching wrestling. Um, I thought he showed really well in SmackDown. He's just he's just a fun character right now, right? Like he still has like the kind of the the aura and mysticism of the Wyatt family, but he's kind of doing his own thing. Like he's the he is what to me what Baron Corbin should be doing right. Like he's like he's playing a better lone wolf role than I think Baron Corbin is. But even though it's it's kind of a, a played out storyline, I I just I mean you know Hor- Harper's able to shine. He he's kind of like this this wrench into regular storylines. I I really enjoyed what he's been able to do. And and the thing with him like you have all of that and whatever the character is or isn't, but like it's all grounded in the fact that. He's a great worker. So exactly. when you put him in any program, he makes the match better. Yeah, and it's a long, long time coming. Like I, you know, and and we were hiring him a couple of years ago. Like we were going to give him Worker of the Year. I think we we might have have given. We were close to giving him, but uh, you know, he, he's he's an older wrestler, and he, he has to get what he can when he gets it. But um, he's fun to watch, and 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 it's he's able to take an old an old wrestling storyline and breathe new life to it. It's, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the past couple of months. Uh, what do you like in wrestling right now? So I'm going to tell you something that you like in wrestling right now, and you don't even know it, because I don't think you watched NXT yesterday. Is that true? Uh, I, I was going to, but but uh, I, I'm still kind of uh, hurting over the uh, the Nakamura and uh, Bobby Roode. Um, okay. 
Well, um, so match itself, not that rude one, but just the match in general. Yeah. So the week prior, they gave they gave the farewell to Corey Graves on NXT, and he's I think he's now the full time Raw broadcaster. He's not doing NXT anymore, so they had to replace him, and they replaced him with one Nigel McGuinness. Oh my God! Are you kidding me? No. Dude, now I gotta watch some NXT right now. I said, wow, dude. Yeah, so Nigel McGuinness, and I think part of it's because they're they had that that um, European Championship tournament, and they're bringing some of those guys in, kind of the way they use the cruiserweights on the show. But yeah, uh, McGuinness is is on the call with Phillips on there, and uh, he he did a good job. Now now I gotta watch it. Nigel McGuinness is is one of the, the saddest stories in wrestling. I mean. I really started liking him when, when he was Desmond Wolf. Like I really enjoyed him with Desmond Wolf. He just had this he just had this move set that, you know, <laughs> I hate to say it, but like, you know, you, you put you know Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, and Nigel McGuinness. Those were, I thought thought were three guys that really kind of, um, you know, and you can even say like Kenny Omega, right? Like th- these are three guys that really you know didn't look the part, but they had a good move set <coughs> and it worked really well. So now I have to watch NXT. Um, yeah, so that was good. I was I was happy with that, and I'm glad. And and, and to just kind of piggyback on uh, what you were saying, um, it was a sad story because like right when he was about to get signed with WWE, um, he had this career-ending injury. But now it's full circle, and he's he's working for WWE. So like I'm glad like, you know, the bridges were never burned, and and they found a way to to use him to make sense, and and good for him. All right. So what else do you like in wrestling? Uh, Alexa Bliss and Mickey James. I just I, I like that pairing for a couple of reasons. Um, I don't have to hear uh, what's her name talk too much. Um, who is it? The uh, Becky Lynch. Yeah, Becky Lynch. Like Be- Becky Lynch is she, she's she's pretty brutal on the mic. I'm, I'm I'm not a big fan of hers. She, you know, her her punchlines are really weak, and she just she sounds like an idiot. Like in the ring, you know, everything else about her is great, right? Like I will I, I like her. I I will follow her. But the second she gets on the mic, she kills it for me. Uh, Mickey James, I I thought. Even it's kind of same thing with like Harper, right? Like even though it's like a tried and true promo about like you know I, I helped create this this that and this, um, it worked really well. Like you know she she looks like a million bucks, you know, and she can she can wrestle behind it. Uh, she has a lot of experience. I don't think she's I don't think she's you know when you put her against like Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks, um, Bailey, and and uh, Charlotte, uh, she doesn't compare to them. But she is a good person to have with Alexa Bliss because I think Alexa Bliss can get to. Maybe a sub level of the of the four of the four horsemen that I just talked about, um, and I think Mickey James can help her along, along that, and the, so the whole thing like she she gives Mickey James gives Alexa Bliss you know validity right like I think Alexa Bliss could have done it on her own but it just gives her a nice little facet, and Alexa Bliss is playing the she's playing the part of the heel role really well and and, and it's well, it's let, refreshing. Well, uh, let, let's have this conversation then. So I think we got a couple minutes. So. I think there's, I see a lot of potential in Alexa Bliss, um, and I think you're, I agree with you in what you're saying. I think that, 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 given her, Mickey James gives her the credibility that she needs. But my opinion, I don't think she, she didn't look legitimate um, without her. Um, I was, I was pretty disappointed in the matches when, when she was fighting Becky Lynch one on one when she won the title, like even like when she lost and, and when she won the belt, because what I'm watching there. And, and I agree with you on Becky 100%. In the ring, she's great. I don't really like her promo. But watching that match, it's like, it's, it's, it's like watching a luchador match, right? It's like Becky Lynch is tossing herself all over the ring. And like, I know there's no way Alexis Bliss can, can do any of this stuff. And then the other thing that, and this is 
maybe uh, we'll, we'll get into this at some point about if we talk about like things that we don't like in matches. Um, it's like okay, I we know that Becky Lynch has all this experience, and 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 Alexa is pretty much a newcomer. So why is it with Becky Lynch and her ten years of experience and Alexa Bliss who's been doing it three years? Why is why is um, Becky Lynch making all these like fundamental mistakes to get herself put in the bad positions all the time on a person that she outweighs by probably 40 pounds of muscle. Just makes no sense. Now, what I think Alexa Bliss really has going, I think she has figured out what her character is. So, like, her her thing is very character-driven. She is playing that character exactly the way that she needs to. But in the ring, she is not really legitimate to me, especially going up against Becky Lynch. And, and to a certain degree, I mean, and, you know, you got the same thing early on with AJ Lee before AJ figured out what her character was. And it was like, okay, she can do these things, she's athletic, but she weighs like 90 pounds soaking wet, and I can't buy her like, you know, hip tossing these rolls that, that have her by 50 pounds and, and doing all these things. So if, she, if that's the trajectory she's on and she improves in the ring and she figures out like what style works for her, I, I do see that she can be like a really legitimate competitor in that division. But just as of right, and, and, and I, like, that's why I agree, and that was the point I was going to make. Because uh, two weeks ago when I wanted to talk about it, um, they didn't have, uh, they didn't have um, Mickey, James. Mickey James in yet. And, and now that she's there, I think it does, it does make it seem like. And Mickey James, like I'm interested in Mickey James and Becky Lynch. I think that's a good, yeah. fit equally like, physical matchup. But, yeah. Well, there's a couple things I want to say about it, is that, you know, Alexa Bliss... You're right. Everything you said is right. But when I first saw her, I was like, you know, there's, there's something to her, right. right? I mean, she has something to her. And I'm not saying that she's found it yet. But when I watched her, instead of going like, oh, this is really bad, I'm going like, okay. I'm like, it's not good. I said, but she has she has something about her, right? Like, I, you know, she, she has a certain look to her. I'm not saying that she's, like, drop dead. But I mean, there's, there's a look to her, right? And I think you need to have that as a, wrestler, as, as a female wrestler. And sadly, there is. But the same thing can be said about a male wrestler as well, right? He needs a look. So she has a look of a uh, she has a look of a female wrestler like she has like a, a nice look to her. What I do want to say and and what I kind of what I think gets lost by the wayside is that Becky Lynch is like a, she's like a darling right she's like a wrestling darling right like she's like she's put in the same class as Charlotte Sasha Banks and I would say that most people think that she's a better performer than Bailey and I'm gonna disagree with that a hundred percent I I think you know. So, you know, Sasha can bring out the best in anybody. She's brought out with Becky Lynch. She brought out with Bailey. Charlotte, 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 right? Charlotte is the best, the best heel in in wrestling right now. And there's no better heel than Charlotte is right now, in terms of what her character is. Charlotte is really good, and she can bring out the best in anybody as well. She brought it out in Bailey. She brought it out with Sasha. Not that Sasha needed to bring it out, but you know, you have those two together, and you have you win match of the year, and you win wrestler of the year for for us. And what I'm what I'm gonna harken back to is that yeah Bailey versus uh, uh what's her name at, at in uh, Raw um, yeah Bailey versus Nia Jackson Raw good match it wasn't a great match but it was a good match because I think Bailey knows how to bring out the best in people like like Nia Jax the only time I've ever liked a Nia Jax match is when I've seen it with Bailey and, and especially like the NXT match that Bailey had with Nia Jax I thought it was a really good match it wasn't I mean not in terms of like technicality but the emotion that Bailey's able to bring out in people, to be to play that underdog role, and at the same time make Nia Jax look strong, Bailey has that ability to make the person that she's going against a better wrestler, or look stronger than she is. Becky Lynch, now granted, 
she's had she 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 hasn't faced a good wrestlers, and I'm not. But when I want, the reason why I bring up Nia Jax is because Nia Jax isn't there yet. You know, she she she's a she's a sideshow, she's a freak show in terms of her being big. I'm not trying to take anything away from her, but her match is that she's bigger than everybody else. There's not a lot of storytelling that you can do with that. Where with Bailey, when she faces her, there's a story to tell, and and you're you're watching the match going like, okay, it's not a big girl versus a small girl. It's like it's a wrestling match, and she brings out the wrestler Nia Jax. I think that you know, and what you said about you know Bailey, uh, not Bailey, um, Becky having ten years experience, and and uh, what's her name having three years experience, is that Becky should be able to be the general in that match, and she doesn't come across as a general. It, it seems like, um, dude, why am I drawing a blank, dude? I, I haven't drawn a blank this whole Alexa? time. Yeah, it seems like Alexa's leading the match instead of Becky's leading the match. Like Becky should be the general of that match, and she should be able to make Alexa look better than she is. But Becky, <coughs> Becky doesn't have the ability to do that. And, and the only good match that I've ever seen <coughs> Becky really have is against Sasha Banks in NXT. And, and who was she wrestling? She was wrestling Sasha Banks. Yeah. So yeah. That's, a, that's, that's a problem that I have with Becky. But I, I don't know if it's a problem so much with Alexa, but I, I have a real problem with Becky. Becky really needs to, it's time for her to, to put up. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend Becky a little bit on that match, just in that, I mean, I think it's she... It's tough. It's a tough right. match. Yeah, it's like, she, I think she was the general. I just think that, and it's, again, I'm not, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to down Alexa Bliss as a performer, but... There's just nothing. There was nothing that she could do that that looked believable in terms of offense against Becky Lynch. But Becky should should recognize that, and she should create something in the match where Alexa could have the upper hand and make it believable, right? Like she should have done what Nakamura did against Bobby Roode, which Nakamura didn't have to do with Bobby Roode, right? Like he feigns an injury, right? Well, Becky Lynch, she can feign an injury, or or there's something there's something saying like, hey Alexa, I want you to work on this. I want you to work on this body part the whole match, right? Like, at least do something where it's believable to do that. That's the problem that I have. It's like, it's like if you can't beat him with athleticism, right, Becky as, as a tenure vet or as a veteran or as someone that wants to make a name for herself in this business with the WWE, she needs to fight back. She needs to fight back with offense a little bit, saying, like, this is how I put a good match together. That's the problem that I have. And that, that, came with that, that went away from Alexa Bliss, but, you know, I like Becky Lynch. I just don't think Becky Lynch is as good as everybody says she is because... She doesn't know how to how to tell a good match. Yeah, no, and I think that's what it is. I think in the ring, Becky Lynch is right up there with anybody. Um, but her character leaves a lot to be desired. Whereas the opposite is, I think Alexa, in the last couple months, has really figured out exactly what her character is, and she's playing it well. She's she's very athletic, but like her limitation is, how are you going to translate like? what your strengths are into something that's believable when you're that much smaller than all these people you're going against. And, like, AJ, AJ Lee ended up figuring it out somehow. Like, she ended up being a pretty, a pretty competent worker uh, by the time she got to that point um, when, when she was, like, being the, the, the women's champion or the Divas champion. So uh, I'm not putting it past. I'm not writing off Alexa Bliss in, in any way. I think I, think I agree. There's, there's something. There, there's a lot of potential there for her. Um, but yeah, I just I just had a problem with the way that those matches went down. Um, but I think having having um, Mickey James come in as the muscle that that makes that makes a lot of sense. All right, so you started it. You want to finish it off? What do you like in wrestling? Let me see what else do I like in wrestling. Um, I'm trying to think here. Yeah, um, we know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not looking up though. Um, no, real fast. This isn't this isn't rocket science. No, just, yeah. what, what do you like? Come on, boom, boom. Get the cream joint right. Boom. I, I, I think Blue I, and 
crazy. I think that's about it, man. I mean, like, I, I, like Samoa Joe was the first week, right? I really like Samoa Joe. I mean, okay. we talked about Ty last week, so I don't want to get into that. Um, I'll say uh, I like I like that uh, that Gallows and Dunn's other tag team champions. Like that that was pushed way back longer than it needed to be, um, and so you know I'm glad that they finally got me again what they deserve too. And I'm glad they're tag team champions. I, I like that they're tag team champions because they're champions and they're going to win. But they put on such a good match that they make the people that they wrestle against look really good. And it's not that Cesaro and Sheamus needed to look good, but it, it's it's nice to see. Like, it, it's nice. There's something to be said about Anderson just being the fall guy throughout the whole match, and then you know coming back and then you know that they, they have the hot last five minutes of the of the match where they where they come out on top. Uh, yeah, it's it's good, and you know. Uh, even though they've had the same match for the past couple weeks, the whole like uh, tag team gauntlet at SmackDown, it's been fun. I mean, it's 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 they they have a they have a lot of talent in terms of tag teams on that roster, and it's kind of a way to introduce you to these teams. Uh, the Ascension won last Tuesday. Uh, wasn't I wasn't like oh forget it, but the match was good. It, it was it was a fun match, and you know it's like I, I'm very interested to see. How that tag team division is going to shake out because you have you have a lot of good characters in there you have a lot of good personalities and uh, we'll see I mean like Rhino comes out to do a spear and, and you're like oh yeah Rhino's still there so you have a lot of good guys I mean b- besides the the Gronkowski clone uh, everybody else it, it's it's been fun and uh, yeah Guns and Gallows um, being the premier tag team in the world right now um, in in the in the hottest spot you want to be in WWE yeah it's it's well deserved. All right, so uh, this guy's going to try to get better over here. I, I appreciate uh, better have my donuts coming in and uh, only coughing a couple times. He's even able to uh, do a Ultimate Warrior uh, rendition. Um, and I know it's tough on the throat, and you, you, you battled through. So yeah, better have my donuts over here on Bad News Ramen. Uh, thanks for hanging out for us. For I thought this was going to be a short podcast. It became an hour and 20 minutes. Um, but there we are. That, that, that's it, dude. Everything I just said about you, just... Get down the cockpit, kill the co-pilots. Okay. Okay.